And now, from the studios of KALX Berkeley, this is Art Crush Podcast Edition. on KALX Berkeley. I'm Svea Vikander. I'm Josephine Burdens. And together we take you into the artist studios of the Bay Area. And once we're there, we scout around for the smallest, coziest, quietest spot and set up shop and make that artist talk to us for hours. In just a minute, we will be in, um, and under a shelf. A shelf. Being under a shelf sounds bad, but it was actually really nice. It was a very sturdy shelf, very spacious, and I felt safe. As shelves go, it was safe and spacious. Yeah. That's right. But Josephine, tell me, who do we have a crush on this week? This week, we have a crush on Alicia McCarty. Ooh. Yes. It's very exciting to have her. Yeah, very exciting. Alicia is very crush-worthy material there. And um, she was born and raised in Oakland, and she still lives and works in Oakland. And Alicia's work is brightly colored, although often on a neutral background. So she paints with spray paint, and she's... Okay, with pencil crayons? Listen, Americans... I am Canadian, and I am going to call them pencil crayons until the day I die. You may call them colored pencils because you are boring, but I will call them pencil crayons, and that's the end of it. So Alicia uses pencil crayons and spray paint and oil paint, and she does this kind of textile-like woven bands of color on these neutral backgrounds. A few of my friends have her prints in their apartments. People are really excited about her work right now. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting very famous. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. famous. It's really exciting. Yeah. 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 And she's worked really hard for a long time. So that's really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. And she has lots of wonderful stories to tell. Yeah. She she really loves her community. She really, really does. And I really think that comes through in our conversation with her. All these amazing people here in the Bay Area. Should we take them to Jack London Square? Yes. Are you coming? Yes. Do you have your seatbelts on? Bing. Let's go. <laughs> My name is Alicia McCarthy, and I'm proudly from Oakland, California. Get to Jack London Square and it's raining, but Josephine decides to pay for parking with her phone. Oh my god, this needs this takes so long. Which means she needs to download an app and enter her grandmother's blood type. I have to check it. Okay. Can I just put a card in that thing? Yeah, but I'm already paying right now. Okay. Is it working? Uh yeah, it should. In just a minute. And we get two hours of parking. Be across the street. We carry our stuff up to the warehouse. 
It's big and old and was purchased by a group of artists in the 1980s. Let me see what you wrote. When we get to the buzzer, there's two words written above the intercom. Talk here. But we don't even get a chance to because Alicia opens the door with a cigarette in her hand. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Do you wanna do you wanna have your smoke? Um we're in no rush. I mean if yeah, we can, I feel like we can I wanna have your smoke. Yeah. She smokes maybe a third of the cigarette before throwing it on the sidewalk, and we head inside. Up a half a flight of stairs to her 18-foot ceiling studio space with stuff everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, it's crazy. There's a heater and a radio on, so it's warm and loud. She turns it off, and we start our tour at the far left of the studio where there is an open room. This is storage, but it's mostly other people's stuff. Because <laughs> when I got this place, there's so many people that don't have space. So actually the back, a friend of mine, Francesco, just took all of his stuff, so that was all full. These are Sam's other paintings. This is the plexi piece from the Sika show. This is all Aaron's stuff. I have a, maybe four or five boxes in there. The Aaron that Alicia is talking about is a street artist also known as Orphan. The last time we spoke to Alicia on K.A. Alex's other show, Arts and Review, he had just passed away in hospice care. But this is all his art. Alicia uh, also included Orphan's work in the exhibition she made for the SF MoMA when she won the Sika Award in 2017. I believe she was the first artist ever to include somebody else's work in her award show. And then there's a bunch of folders and stuff. But the rest of all the crap is mine. Yeah, but mostly I just sort of come in and go to work. It took me, I mean, I've been here, it'll be two years in May or April, I think. And for a, almost a whole year, I was literally just like right there. I was basically like mimicking my old studio. When I was a kid, a teacher told me this story about a bear who had been kept in a really tiny 10-foot enclosure in a zoo, just pacing back and forth for his entire life until the day that some activists actually got their way and moved him to a larger enclosure. The tragedy was that he continued to pace back and forth within a 10-foot area, even though he had much more space to roam. I don't know if the story is true or not, but I think something similar happened with Alicia when she moved to this huge studio and continued to paint in a tiny corner of this huge space. After the last, you know, year of all the shows, it just kind of exploded everywhere. But it's... It's a little out of hand right now. I'm like kind of overwhelmed by the idea of cleaning it, but... Why would you clean it? Because it's embarrassing sometimes when people come by. <laughs> That's all my <laughs> trash from like two years. Like I have never even taken the trash out, which is embarrassing, but... It's not so much trash. No, it's yeah. not. I'm a little... Wow. I'm okay with it. And my niece was here the other day, which is always fun to have her come. How and she? she's nine and a half. She spray-painted all over the floor, and she just goes, like, crazy. Alicia's studio is an abundance of art and colors. Mounds of oil paints, buckets of pencil crayons, a circular saw and wood scraps, knives, scrapers, cans of spray paint, a small hatchet. There is art on the floor. Yerba Buena. You're standing on your art. Yeah. And a very old orange hiding behind paintings on a shelf. And is this a sculpture, or is this just an old orange? Oh, you know, story. Yeah, it might. I have to do a. There's a, a show coming up in a couple weeks. At, she has <clears> a lot <throat> of art by people she cares about. This is a jumbled up Sahar collage, Cliff Hanks, 
Sean O'Dell, all local artists and friends, Renee Dolores, Nader Ibrahimi, who died sadly, Jovi Schnell, Peter Caddick, who's also dead, <laughs> Jen Smith, Whitney, and uh, what about this one? What's and this is framed a funny reference letter written for her dad, who's a mechanic in the 1960s. It says, to whom it may concern, beware, D.G. McCarthy. The above has been employed in our workshop for nearly six years and has been found to be, I can't read it, big-headed, miserly, stubborn, sulky, and no good. And in addition to the other something or other, he has a bad attitude. <laughs> It's a mechanic sense of humor. <laughs> the studio has a bank of warehouse-style windows that face directly onto the street. I, I love the natural light, but I also love my privacy, so I just try not to think about it. But then it started cracking, so I started spray painting it, and then from the outside it actually looks really cool, and it's kind of what ended up inspiring the the big plexiglass piece that I did at Sika because I painted on it backwards. I asked everybody who had any part in making the Sika happen to come and etch their initials into the plexiglass piece and then choose their spray can and like spray the initials. But it's neat that it kind of like my niece did this. So and the windows inspired so the plexiglass good. piece for the SF MoMA show, which in turn inspired the piece Alicia's doing for the SFO airport which includes 45-foot-long pieces of colored glass. That's kind of an ongoing project. Um, that would be good. Yeah, see, this is my idea, is that we get in here. Oh, yeah, there, how close you we can bring this. So we, we set up our makeshift recording studio in the empty shelf where Alicia's friend Francesco's work was being stored until a few weeks ago. That could be good. I do mean, I, I okay. could sit. Do you think I could like sit on a crate here? Yeah, yeah actually, the sound so. does. Is that right? Yeah, it's a I lot feel like we could all just. Sit Alicia on the floor takes here. a picture of us all crouched up on the shelf, and she herself sits on an upturned milk crate on the floor in front of us. Alicia's father is a British immigrant, a mechanic. He took a boat to New York and then took Greyhound across the country and landed like on 19th in San Pablo, which is like five blocks from our house. Both my parents loved what they did. They loved their jobs. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a mechanic. And my mom worked for Kaiser for 45 years. And she was protesting for nurses' rights when I was a kid. So my first sort of protesting was like walking picket lines with my mom, even though she was like the supervisor of ICU and CCU all through AIDS and like running the whole ship basically and was still sort of bracketed. I mean, I think in some ways it was just fun walking in a circle and stuff, but it was also like being around a bunch of really strong, radical women. You know, they were still kind of suburban in a way. You know, it wasn't like they were your typical sort of Berkeley radical women. But I mean, that was amazing to be around women that were saving people's lives and making their lives as comfortable as possible for the love of doing that. You know, I mean, you know, reflecting back, it kind of just... They gave me and my sister the freedom to be who we were and find our own way for better or for worse. And I think also it being 
raised in a really amazing work ethic where, you know, I mean, my dad still gets up every morning at seven and because he loves what he does, you know, this might be morbid, but I think it's a beautiful thing that, I mean, I'm sure my dad's going to die in his in his in his garage you know what I mean like so on Sunday morning sometimes my dad and I will take the dogs to Chrissy Field and go for a walk we witness somebody like take somebody else's spot and I remembered this story from years and years ago when I was dating my ex-girlfriend of mine and she lived in San Francisco and we were coming home and we got a spot right in, across from her apartment and we had sort of pulled up to then kind of reverse in and some guy came in and like stole our spot and we pulled back and I just thought like of course I thought oh he didn't see you know so we pulled back and I was in the passenger seat and I was like oh we, we were just you know getting that spot and he was like sorry suckers you know he's just a total <laughs> So then it took us like 45 minutes to find a parking spot. And we went back to his truck and took the air out of two of his tires. <laughs> and so I was sort of reluctantly telling my dad the story, like, is he going to judge me or what? So I tell him the story and he was like, well, last year at the, you know, he goes, when he goes skiing, he gets in really early, skis till lunch and leaves. So he pulled in early and he had noticed like a big car had taken up sort of one and a half spaces. And then when he came back, some like jaguar had jammed in so my dad had to get in the side shimmy in the side and crawl over to get into his car and he let the air out of one of the guy's tires and i was like and he was like of course and he left a note that said you hole or something you know wow it's like genetic <laughs> yeah but that's yeah. the kind of like it's like a date it's like a moral they both have really amazing morals, and, and I think that's where the idea of standing up for not just your rights, but other people's rights in an unjust situation is just sort of what's natural. They're intensely supportive now, and um, not that they haven't been. They've they've also just been very honest in a way, like they don't understand it. And I think there was a little bit of fear, but again, I always had a full-time job, and the shifting point was when I graduated the Art Institute, and they definitely saw how much I was dedicated to it. That was not a question, but when I graduated my undergrad, I got a couple awards, and I think they saw people that they could relate to that recognized what I was doing, because, I mean, my dad came and visited me at school, and he was like... And my paintings were very different then, but I think it kind of still applies. Like, it looks like a kid did this. You know, a kid could do it. And I always appreciated his brutal honesty. I, I mean, some of my friends back then were mortified. But I would rather have an honest answer than somebody be like, yeah, it's great. And just not and not be honest about not understanding it. But they never, not that they could, but they never tried to stop me. And I remember the first show I had at Jack Hanley's in The Mission it was right around July 4th. And they came and it was, you know, my friend Frog's band, The Floating Corpses, was playing. And they're all like naked with like saran wrap wrapped around. And it's just like noise kind of amazing performance thing. And they come in with their like red, white, and blue like sweaters around their shoulders. And they were the kind of freaks in the in the room. Like suddenly there was like a moat around them. And you could see that they were... They were willing to put themselves in an uncomfortable position, but um, they've definitely, it was kind of amazing. It was like, oh, that's how I felt my entire life. You're listening to the podcast edition of Art Crush. 
Listen live every second Monday morning at 9 a.m. on KALX 90.7 FM Berkeley. Don't forget to subscribe. I really didn't ever strive to be a commercial, solely a commercial artist. Um, it's not a life that I want just being in the studio and showing. I think it's, but I had never even dreamed I'd have a life that was so sort of art related, you know, and you know, it's a fickle world. So I'm, I'm happy to do it now. And I have my backup plan, which is to be a school bus driver if, uh, it all crashes. So, um, I'm excited about that, too. I mean, I definitely spend a lot more time. I have an amazing studio like this. I mean, you know, nine or ten years ago, I was working out of my house as well, you know, and then I got a really cheap studio um, in downtown Oakland, and that was the first... I'd always kind of gotten a studio through a friend through the years if I could afford it, but it was always like a $100 in some totally beat up building or amazing building that nobody should have been in but but I'd spent many years working out of my house and then I got a grant and that's what afforded me to then get a studio in downtown Oakland and I also had an upcoming show at Jack's but when I went into that studio like I'm not somebody I can do the work at my house I'll do it wherever but the focus that I felt like day one that I got into that studio was that was a game changer. And I think that that reflected in the work as well. And the production of the work then pumped up too. My work shifts so slowly, kind of embarrassingly, but I'm definitely getting much more refined and particular about things. And I am really enjoying that. So, um, and I think the work is getting more um, secure in itself. I do not own a computer and I have kind of like a weird narcolepsy to like reading and websites. I have a very short attention span for computers and I can really, I'm really prone to being a hermit. I like, I have to check my email every morning because if I go a couple days without checking it, it might be like a week. It's this weird thing. Like I have to kind of keep up on it. Like I have to do a maintenance. Otherwise it gets like too overwhelming and then I just like sit there and paint and hide, you know. I got on Instagram because of the the classes that we were doing with the high school kids, Sahar and I. I think it was, again, just part of if I'm going to step towards this, I'm going to step towards it as long as it's comfortable. It was something at first I was a little slow because I just had a BlackBerry. So I have an iPad, so it was like very slow in the beginning. But it's I think it's a part of what's helped get some of my work out there not that that's necessarily an interest or a, or the reason why I do it, but it's the one social media that I actually feel like interacting with. And I think it's because it's mostly image-based. And, and I do like seeing what strangers are doing or, for the most part, or like friends of mine in their studio and whatnot. You know, it is a odd and kind of interesting way to keep up with people visually Alicia's Instagram account is Hello Forever. 
H-E-L-L-O-F-O-R-E-V-O-R. It actually came from a mixed CD that Sahara made me like a, I mean, Sahara and I have been together for 14 years, so it was probably 13 years ago. And she would like hand paint the covers and that's where it came from. I'm working on this public art piece for SFO, a really giant glass window piece. So it's going to be painted glass. It's sort of one of those spectrum pieces. It's going to have kind of openings, but it's sort of an, an off kind of oblong shape that'll hang in front of the, the windows. If you're really excited about this piece and you really want to go and see it, it will be up in the International Terminal of San Francisco's airport. But don't go there yet. The piece isn't finished, so you have to wait a few more months to go and see it. It's being fabricated by this amazing woman, Dorothy Lenahan, who is really old friends with Squeak and Gary and actually used to live just a block away. And her studio is a five-minute bike ride from my house. It's Dorothy, and then she has a worker, Kimberly, who works with her. So I love that it's like going to be Oakland-made. Even the the sort of architect that we're working with has his office in downtown Oakland. And we're still in the early stages of the structural engineering. Like we know what it's going to look like, but it's how the fuck you're going to hang it. And so it's just a series of a lot of meetings. And But it's through the Arts Commission. And, you know, we applied and you get put in these two-year pools. And then as projects come up, They have different committees that kind of go through all the artists and sort of choose finalists. One of the curators from uh, the SICA happened to be one of the people sitting on the committee for that piece. And she was like, oh, well, Alicia would be a great finalist because she's because my original proposal at SICA was that I wanted to actually paint on the backside of glass. But that very quickly became not an option because then one of the first meetings that I had with the curators for the SICA They were like, what are you picturing? I think they even actually asked, would you want to paint on the wall? Or I think maybe I, which is very bold on my part, like asked. And they were like, yeah, we're open to it. And they seemed very excited. And I was like, well, I don't want to just paint on the wall. I'd rather do something different and literally just kind of barfed out this idea of glass and plexi. Actually, my first idea was I wanted to build, <laughs> I wanted to build a brick wall to paint on. And they're like, well, the weight might be a little... <laughs> That might be a little hard, but I just started kind of blurting out absurd ideas, and then it kind of came full circle. But the other thing that was great was that my mind was kind of already thinking in these sort of like glass and transparency, and the plexiglass piece, when it was installed, was right at the same time when I found out I was a finalist, and then you have to kind of come up with an idea. Like, I don't think about big projects. I I'm like focused on the paintings that I'm working on. And I was excited about it, but but the idea of like a big public piece is sort of like, I don't know what I would do, you know. And we were luckily, because the site exists, whenever possible, I like to visit, even if it's just a gallery or whatever. It, I'm very much into visiting the space as much prior to making the work as possible. Not necessarily site specifically, but kind of feel the space. So Renee Bott, she is now working more with artists to help with these public projects because it's it's such a daunting process. Like I would have never applied. She's the project manager, which I need. I would never be able to navigate. I would just, I've never had like two years planned of shows, which is where I am now. Like, 
but I'm excited to come to the studio every day and feel like things are sort of working out naturally. And until that ends, you know, I am up for it. Welcome back. Thanks for coming with us to Alicia McCarthy Studio in Jack London Square. That was a lot of fun. And it was a very cozy experience in this shelf. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us in the shelf. See you next time in the broom closet. Um, and Alicia McCarthy, she doesn't have a website. No, she doesn't. Um, she does have an Instagram, though. Mm-hmm. Right. She has this Instagram with Hello Forever. Find her on there. Follow her on there for sure. But she doesn't have a computer. Right, yeah. No, she's definitely verging on Luddite. What's a Luddite? Well, a Luddite, I actually um, kind of realized I was going to call her that. And I was worried that it was a slur. So I looked it up and I found something really interesting. Oh, okay. So the Luddites were a group of English textile workers and weavers in the 19th century who destroyed weaving machinery as a form of protest. Their gripe wasn't really with technology or the machinery itself, but the people who are using it. But now it's become this term for people who don't like technology or who resist it in some way. What's amazing, though, is that those were weavers. And then Alicia McCarthy also is in some way a modern-ish version of a weaver in that her, her paintings have a, like a woven textile-like quality to yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like a woven texture that she's making. Yeah, so there's in like, her paintings. It's yeah. like amazing. Like there's like some connection there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Ooh, yeah. The Luddite is out there. <laughs> <laughs> Josephine, who do we have a crush on in our next episode? In our next episode, we'll have a crush on Angela Hennessy. Oh, tell me more. So Angela is an artist who lives and works in Oakland. And she makes sculptures with natural and synthetic Hair. Oh, it's very beautiful. Wow, I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, until then, I have been Svea Vikander and I'm Josephine Berdet. Together, we are Art Crush. This episode was produced by us at KALX Studios in Berkeley, California. Our theme song is Amber Eyes by Victoria Vega. Email us at artcrushradio at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this show and the artists we interview, please consider telling a friend about it. We're leaving a review on iTunes. Bye. Bye.